I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. The Miami Dolphins have announced a new defensive coordinator. Quarterback Tua Tungavaloa believes he is going to be getting a new contract soon. Joining me to talk about these two crucial, crucial subjects on an early Sunday morning. Merrick Brave, Joshua Houts. Gentlemen, how goes it? It's early. It's early out here in Iowa. We're we're sitting uh, right past 8 a.m. Got my coffee with me. I think you boys are doing the same. But, you know, unlike Tua Tungavailoa in the Pro Bowl skills competition, we're going to bring you the goods today. We, we want to entertain the people, entertain the masses, and that's what we're here to do. Too soon for those shots at Tua Tungvaloa. I know we all were really excited to see him in that precision passing contest. Didn't go as we planned, but yeah, it's uh, 9 a.m. here. I think the kids woke up at 7. Some kids are sick. I know they pushed me out of the bed. I had like this much space to sleep in. So I'm ready to do this podcast, guys. Ready to talk about our new defensive coordinator and excited to see both your smiling faces. Uh, how are you doing, Jake? Good. I, dude, it's 9 in the morning. I've already done grocery shopping. I went 5 for 7 in a game of Rocket League. Coffee's already gone. I'm attacking the day. It's what it is. Uh Josh, we were big list guys for the last couple of weeks. The Dolphins interviewed about nine different defensive coordinator candidates. Some of them decided to stay with their team. Others accepted different jobs. Some candidates were blocked. Out of those nine, though, be completely honest with me, Anthony Weaver was just named the new defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. When you would scroll up and down that list with your eyes, would, would Weaver ever stick out to you? I mean, I guess for me a little bit because you always think about defense, right? And you always go back to the Baltimore Ravens. So that's why it stuck out. But I mean, um, honestly, I did not think he was going to be the guy. I think we all kind of thought maybe it would be Brandon Staley. I know some rumors came out about Chris Schull at one point. He got promoted, right? Bob Backett got promoted. So some of these guys, know, just took these interviews to get promoted within it seemed. But um, yeah, looking through that list, I don't know that I ever thought it was Anthony Weaver. But now that he is the guy, I am a little bit intrigued by this signing, Um, you know, based on some of the propaganda stuff we've seen on social media and how well that Ravens defense has been over the last several years. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Josh. You know, 
initially wasn't a, a top candidate of mine, you know, as a 37 year old dude sitting on his couch in Iowa, not in charge of Miami Dolphins coaching hires, but you know, I, like you mentioned, Brandon Staley was kind of a, a name that intrigued some people also pissed some people off just because, you know, they, they looked at his record as a head coach in Los Angeles, but you know, he had that relationship with Jalen Ramsey. You know, he had built a defense around Jalen Ramsey when they were both with the Rams a few seasons ago. So, you know, that was kind of intriguing. That didn't happen. Leslie Frazier, uh, formerly of the the Buffalo Bills, he was an interesting name as well. Uh, ended up in Seattle with the Seahawks, uh, and then you look at the Anthony Weaver. Now he's the guy. Uh, you know, he's a young guy, gonna gonna come in and, and collaborate with Mike McDaniel. So you get a little excited about the possibilities there. I'm gonna be honest. The first time I heard Anthony Weaver, all I could think about was former Miami Dolphins fifth round draft pick Curtis Weaver who I believe got injured and then was cut and they wanted to sneak him back onto the practice squad, but he was claimed by the Cleveland Browns and Dolphins Twitter was, was, was up in arms. Like it often is. This was back in 2020. I think we were all spending a lot of time on the internet, uh, even more so than today back then. But uh, then he ended up going on to do nothing for the Browns and, and Dolphins Twitter, surprise, surprise, got their panties in a bunch over nothing. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to probably say Curtis Weaver about uh, over under, four and a half times on this podcast my bad so anthony weaver he played in baltimore and josh you mentioned some of the propaganda we were hearing um he played in baltimore and he wanted to come back and coach in baltimore he really spoke highly of that culture that they have i mean one of the most impressive things about the baltimore ravens it feels like as you enter each and every year and this goes back to joe flacco flacco where it made a little more sense than lamar jackson you'd go through the teams you expected to be in the playoffs for some reason you'd wait a little while to say Baltimore but then you'd always be like yeah Baltimore is definitely going to be in it so that culture is definitely something I'm interested in and something I want to talk about but Merrick how do you feel I mean we had Josh Boyer defensive coordinator for four years suddenly you have your third different defensive coordinator in three years is there anything different from the last two you're really trying to look for early on maybe even in a press conference just maybe the way they even talk well, you know, it's not an ideal situation to be getting a new defensive coordinator every year, but you, you play the hand you're dealt. This is what the Dolphins are doing right now. Um, as far as, uh, you know, an introductory press conference, I believe Anthony Weaver is going to kill that thing. Of the of the short clips I've seen of him talking on Twitter and on YouTube um, since the hire was made, he seems like a very impressive talker, which is actually – an a, a good skill for a coach to have, right? You have to be able to reach a large group of people and motivate them, connect with them. And I feel like Anthony Weaver is going to be able to do that with this team. I'm always, you know, as someone who's aging myself and, and in the coaching profession, I always uh, am reluctant to talk about getting rid of the old heads and bringing in the new guys, the young guys, the guys that can connect with a younger generation, this younger generation of people, they're just, they're wired different. They were brought up differently. So you need a younger guy who can relate to these players. He played in the National Football League. Like you mentioned, Jake, he was the second round pick of the Baltimore Ravens in 2002. I like how everyone goes, and did you know the first round pick that year was Ed Reed? And I'm like, yeah, well, who cares? Is he bringing Ed Reed with him? Is Ed Reed going to line up uh, alongside Javon Holland? I mean, yeah, let's go. If if you if you're gonna bring where where's Ed Reed now? Is he coaching like a high school team in Miami? Like this could work. I think he's at the college. He's doing something with the hurricanes, right? Isn't he? I oh, is he? Part of the hurricanes. Yeah. Well, come on, man. Just walk across the street. Let's go then. Come on, Ed. We we could use you over here. But uh, you know, it, it does seem like 
like I said, he'll be able to connect with this younger generation of player. He's going to win that introductory press conference. He's going to be a motivational guy. Um, all of that's well and good. People are worried about him possibly getting a head coaching job if he does well with the Dolphins. We'll worry about that when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. If he does well with the Dolphins defense and gets a head coaching job, then that's good for the Dolphins defense, at least in 2024. So, um, and you know, with the, with the new rules surrounding uh, minority hires, if he leaves to become a head coach somewhere else, the Dolphins will actually receive uh, draft pick compensation for that, uh, which the, the 49ers did when we hired Mike McDaniel as our head coach, Mike McDaniel being biracial, as, as people forget sometimes. So there's a, a little bit of a added layer to that as well. But as far as Anthony Weaver's fit with this year's Miami Dolphins, I think it's going to go well. It, it, you know, maybe that's just optimism springing anew as the Dolphins start their, their offseason process. But uh, all signs point to him being a quality hire. He's well-respected around the league. Uh, John Harbaugh of the, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, just a couple days ago was talking about how Anthony Weaver is a future head coach in this league. So it sounds like we got a good one. And now we just got to see it all play out on the field. Yeah, everyone's speaking glowingly of him, but you mentioned earlier, Jake, about going through that list and did his name stick out. Let's be honest, we all were pretty behind Vic Fangio last season, and we see how that ended up. So I'm going to hold back reservation. I think um, what intrigues me, or I guess what aligns these guys, right, is we all heard Anthony Weaver, his quarterback collective, you know, some of the pressers he did. He sounds almost just like Mike McDaniel, right, talking about how it's not really the coaches doing things. They're just putting the players in position to go out there and be their best selves, you know, to exceed expectations and to live in the moment and, you know, become something in it. So um intrigued to see what he does. He did have some defensive coordinator experience with the uh, 2020 Texans. They were last in yards and 29th first to run. So um I hopefully, you know, he's bringing an entirely different defense here um, with Baltimore tw- 2021 first against the run, 2022 third against the run, 2023 14th against the run. So um again, everyone's speaking glowingly of him. I'm intrigued by it because of what him and Mike McDaniel, it seems like they're now aligned and, um, you know, hopefully they can push us over the hump, right? We want to playoff win at this point. Um, you mentioned head coaching candidates. He did have two interviews with the commanders. We do have to throw that out there. That's actually a really good point, Josh. And there's an interesting line in the sand being drawn. I mean, Anthony Weaver is considered young, but I mean, he started as an assistant coach for the uh, New York Jets back in 2012. So he's already been coaching in the NFL for 12 years. And that's on top of a seven-year playing career. Uh, Started with the Ravens, eventually went to the Texans. Uh, What's also interesting is he does also have defensive coordinator coaching experience. He was defensive coordinator for the Texans in 2020. That team wasn't great. They kind of fell apart. They were 4-12. and But, I mean, looking about – I went and watched some of those interviews and how they were talking about, um, you know, tanking and the idea of a team just truly struggling – it kind of sounded like Brian Flores in Miami the year before, and this could just be like the craziest Sunday morning spin zone I'm going for, but he had that tone of voice of he's been through the fire, and at the end of the day, like, I got to do everything I can to make sure these players get paid. So to me, I thought that was really interesting too. Uh, Mike McDaniel, and his uh, he released a statement. I won't go through all of it because Mike McDaniel, we know there's just a lot of nonsense in there, but basically leader of men. Uh, teacher and coach and people forget they were both in Cleveland together back in 2014 so I mean I kind of like what he can be as a a developmental guy in Merrick maybe position group if you want to kind of throw that dart right away go ahead where do you think uh, which position group impacts or has the biggest benefit right away when you see someone like Anthony Weaver come in well, I think you immediately look at the D line, right? You know, he's a former defensive line coach, multiple stops here. 
Um, you know, Dolphins defensive line, while it has just a, a ton of talent, it has a ton of question marks as well. You have injuries to Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, uh, Cameron Good as well, um, that are going to sideline these guys likely for the the you're <laughs> I was trying to hold it together. Uh for those of you listening to the audio only, we have uh we have a very special uh accessory being added to Jake Mendel here as, as we roll through this. But you know, this Dolphins defensive line with injuries to Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, it's it's a question mark at the be- beginning of next season. Will they be available? Will they still be rehabbing those injuries? How quickly can they get back? And and who's going to step up in the interim? You know, and and your coach being able to put those guys, whoever they may be, in the best position to succeed, that's going to be paramount if the Dolphins want to get off to a hot start uh, last season, or excuse me, next season, as they've done in seasons past. So you look at that, then you look at Christian Wilkins. Is he going to be back? Is Christian Wilkins going to get franchise tagged? Or is he going to sign a long-term deal with the Miami Dolphins? Not going to be a cheap deal, that's for sure. But is, is he going to be somebody that Weaver prioritizes and and goes to Chris Greer and he says, hey, I want this job, but if you're going to hire me, we need to get Christian Wilkins back in the fold because I'm a defensive line guy and I need this stud defensive tackle. Or does he go the other way with it and say, hey, listen, I'm such a good coach that you don't need to spend $25 million a year on Christian Wilkins. Let me use that second round draft pick on on a defensive tackle and I'll make do with, with that, you know? So there's a lot of dominoes that still need to fall. And we have plenty of months to go until the start of the season. So we'll watch these dominoes fall, you know, in due time. But I do think this defensive line will be greatly impacted in a positive way by this Anthony Weaver hire. Yeah, I, th- I think that's immediately where you look. I do want to throw this out there because I saw it going around Twitter, but when he was a defense coordinator, I think they switched midseason from a 4-3 to a 3-4. So that's an interesting uh, take. I know the Ravens run a 3-4, so it'll be interesting to see the way this defense comes about. But you mentioned Christian Wilkins. I had that written down as well. Is he going to resign? But the name that immediately stood out to me, and I, I hate that Simon tweeted this out because I it was the immediate first thought I had, but you see how versatile Kyle Hamilton is, right, with Baltimore. You know how good that secondary is. I mean, could you see Javon Holland taking that next step that we thought he was going to under Vic Fangio, you know, maybe playing in the slot more, maybe blitzing more, coming down the box, uh, being more of the Javon Holland we saw in the past. So um, I'm going to say Javon Holland, but I'm just going to tie it all into the secondary because we did hear Mike McDaniel in that uh, statement he released discussing the importance of developing players. So do we see Cam Smith take that next step because he was locked up last year? Do we see Channing Tindall maybe get out in the field as more than just a special teams player? I want to see the way he develops some of these young talent. But for me, I think the secondary, whether it be Cam Smith, whether it be, you know, highlighting or shadowing the number one wide receiver with Jalen Ramsey, the way God intended, or Javon Hahn down the box, whatever it might be, I think the secondary will take a a big step this year. But you definitely got to look at that D-line because that is what he is most known for. And um, let's be honest, the Dolphins do have a lot of question marks in that defense align with injuries and Christian Wilkins uncertainty. X has become such a great place for tinfoil hat ideas. I figured I'd just go ahead and share one with you guys. I mean, people and seem not to... only not only are you going to share the tinfoil hat idea, but you are wearing the tinfoil hat. Special. Is this the debut of the tinfoil hat on on uh, another Dolphins podcast? 560 WQAM YouTube channel. Be sure to check it out. You'll see a very fancy high-tech tinfoil hat for the first time. Gentlemen, Despite the Dolphins being $45 million in the hole in terms of cap space, um, despite the interest in bringing back uh, Christian Wilkins, 
Patrick Queen is about to be a free agent. Is there any sort of world where you get the gears going that uh, there was some backdoor conversations where Anthony Weaver maybe decided, guys, I'd love to be here and let's get my coach on the field, Patrick Queen. And on top of that, you can also maybe develop someone like Channing Tindall behind him. Is that something that's on any of your guys' radar? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mean, why the hell not? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a cap expert. I, I'm not a math guy. I don't know exactly how you're going to fit him uh, into the fold or get him in the mix, but that's somebody else's job to figure out. And if it happens, I can't sit here and say I would be disappointed. Patrick Queen's a great player in this league and the Dolphins have, you know, been stretched thin at linebacker in the past and could use another quality talent in that room. So if it happens, sweet, I'm all for it. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I'd be all for it. I mean, every podcast we come on every season at this time, Jake, we're talking about the positions the Dolphins need. Linebacker's always at the top of that list. I mean, um, maybe they might view Jerome Baker as a similar style, right? We saw him take a little bit of a next step or, you know, show some potential, right? Another level of his game with that neck roll one. So um, I'd be all for Patrick Queen, man. Love the player in college, love the linebackers, love what he could bring to this defense. So yeah, sign me up. Not my money. I saw some people say we bring in Patrick Queen, we bring in King Henry. There we got our King and Queen. Um, but yeah, not our money. We'll see what happens. That's wicked funny. You guys seriously both took the cheese on that? You, you'd really try to reform the cap that much where you think the buildup from uh, Jerome Baker to Patrick Queen is, is that great? I mean, I thought we saw a lot of good things out of Jerome Baker, and then we saw what it looked like on the defense when he was not on the field. This doesn't really define Patrick Queen's season, but 84 tackles, three and a half sacks, one forced fumble, one interception. The guy's 24 years old coming off a first-round uh contract he was picked 20th overall in 2020 you guys would be ready to invest big free agent money for someone who's about to enter the prime of their career instead of just kind of going back with Jerome Baker I, I, to be fair I said if uh, if you're discounting the cap because I again I'm not a cap expert they got all these loopholes in the cap and you can front load the contract and add extra bonuses and all this stuff once you once there starts to be more than like two layers to this stuff I just tune out I hated math growing up that's why I write for the Finsider and I don't tabulate cap space for uh, any any team or website but uh Patrick Queen's a good player, man, and this is the offseason, and we like sexy names. And so if you if you throw a sexy name out there, I'm going to go, ooh, la, la, let, let's get this fella in here. I like the way that sounds, you know what I mean? But the more you talk about it, David Long Jr. had a really great season for the Dolphins. Uh, Jerome Baker has been a, a really solid player for the Miami Dolphins for a number of years now. He did have his first little injury uh, towards the end of last season, um, hopefully, you know, he comes back strong from that, but, uh, I don't know, man, I just want to see a winning football team. I just want to see a, a Super Bowl championship before I die. And if Patrick Queens, the guy that can get us there, then you figure it out, cat, man, I'll, I'll sit back and watch it happen. Yeah, you baited us with that, man. You put that cheese, you know, you got us hook, line, and sinker with that. You can't bring up a linebacker, a 24 years old, a guy who, you know, has some familiar. Yeah, that's what I was going to I was going to bring that up because this is what I'm starting to uh, be a little bit worried about. But I did mention Jerome Baker, you know, and how I don't know that that 
you know, upgrades that big of significant, but you did mention Merrick, his injury. You did mention, I think he's 27 years old. I don't have his salary up, but I thought he was, um, well, I guess a couple months ago or years ago, you know, he might've been making top tier money, but not so much now. So if you can completely like, yeah, can you flip the two out and just, you know, tweak the number slightly? I mean, then I might be okay with it, but I I think we're okay with what we have. I just don't want to see Duke Riley starting any more games for the Dolphins. So you mentioned Danelle Ellerby. He came from the Ravens, right? It's a, it's a, okay, I don't want to like. I'm not going to say that's exactly what would happen, but yeah, that's exactly. No, what so so like the Dolphins literally signed like the one bad Ravens linebacker over the last decade. Like every other Ravens linebacker has been a world beater, and the Dolphins were like, "We're going to go get us one of those," and they just got the one crappy one. And the moral of the story is it was a downgrade. I think Carlos Dansby and Kevin Burnett was the... Absolutely. I, you could probably argue Jerome Baker and David Long were pretty solid when they were both on the field last year. I'd probably put that group up there with Dansby and Burnett as the best linebacking groups since then. Yeah, I would agree with you completely there. Yeah, I love what David Long did. And we mentioned uh, neck roll Jerome Baker just hit different last season. So, um, yeah, that didn't allow everything still hurts. But he would have been really great if he stayed in Baltimore, right? I thought he was doing really good there. It's just once he <laughs> went to course. Miami, uh, once we gave him the bag, it was just all downhill from there. That's I, so bad. I think it was Baltimore's 2013 playoff run that really sprung him because they had to pay Joe Flacco after that. LRB was great in the playoffs. He was kind of solid figuring things out in the regular season. But that playoff run, the Dolphins, yeah, fell, fell for the cheese. Um, I hinted at it earlier, guys. The Dolphins do need to bring in a safeties coach. Joe Casper is returning to Philly. He went with Vic Fangio. Uh, He's going to be the safeties coach there. People on Twitter were instantly wondering, well, is this something you could block? And yes, the Dolphins could have blocked a move like this, but Joe Casper has been coaching in the NFL for three years, that first year with Miami, and then the two years prior were both with Philly. So he has this connection there. He's worked with Vic Fangio. And at the end of the day, you just kind of want to ask yourself, do you want someone who doesn't really want to be here and probably not, and you can go find someone else. But I want to ask you guys, do you think there are going to be other ripples on this defensive staff? Or do you think that, you know, the Austin Clarks of the world and these other coaches are going to kind of sit in place with Anthony Weaver coming in? I think it's going to be a mixture of both, right? Like Anthony Weavers, he's going to want to bring some of his guys in and, you know, you wonder how many of those he'll get. And maybe it's a a, a thing where kind of like Mike McDaniel, right? Where he comes in and Chris Greer says, all right, I want you to roll with our guys for your first season. See if you can make it work. You know, Josh Boyer gets retained as defensive coordinator for the Dolphins that year. Doesn't work out. And then Mike McDaniel is kind of free to pursue his guy. So you almost wonder if we'll get a little bit of that with Weaver. Um, Like you said, Artie needs a safeties coach. So he should be able to hire at least one of his guys there. Um, but like Austin Clark has survived how many regimes at this point? Like, why are you going to let him go? You know, he's a respected coach. Yep. And and these guys are, are well liked by, by their players. So you'll see if they stick around. I do wonder about Campanelli a little bit just because he was up for that defensive coordinator position. And sometimes when those guys don't get the jobs within the organization that they're at, you know, the job that they're, they're looking to get, um, they move on after the new hire is made. So, so you do wonder if Campanelli will be retained. We should find out within the next few days if that's going to be a thing or not. But I think you'll see a, a little mixture of both. A couple guys retained, a couple guys let go, and, and you know, obviously got to fill that safeties coach position. So uh, it, it, there's never a dull moment in, in the offseason for the Miami Dolphins, and here we are all over again. Groundhog's Day, just a couple days after the actual Groundhog's Day. 
Yeah, no matter what happens, someone's going to be on X or Twitter, you know, complaining it's a terrible move here or there. You know, how'd you let Anthony Campanelli go? Ryan Sloak was another guy that was up for the defense coordinator position. Those guys, um, linebackers coach. So we'll see. I, I'd like them to retain some of these guys, but at the same time, I mean, it hasn't really been working, right? We all love an Austin Clark. We all love Anthony Campanelli. You know, we've seen some decent pieces come out of this defense, but we need to take this thing to the next level now. So um, whatever happens, happens. The two names I jumped to, Ronaldo Hill and maybe even a Sam Madison, two guys that were really involved in the secondary this year, especially with Miami's cornerbacks. I think everyone was really excited to see Ronaldo Hill come in and, and take over as that pass game coordinator and that secondary coach. So a couple names to keep in mind, but I, I think there's also a little bit to if they were going to follow Vic Fangio, they would have already. I don't think it'd be like a trickle effect where they're pulling one coach by one like it's a rope. One thing that I think is super interesting, and I don't want to go too over the top of saying, you know, someone should lose their job. I'm a little surprised that the special teams group, the way it's constructed, seems like it kind of feels like it's going to stick as is. I mean, Mike McDaniel could have decided I'm going to take this one coach at a time, uh, but all signs point to Danny Crossman sticking as the special teams coordinator. <sighs> That confuses the heck out of me. I'm just going to be honest. And it has for like the past two or three off seasons. Like I get it. Danny Crossman's been in the league for a while and he does have a good reputation as a good coach, but the proof's in the pudding and I don't see no pudding around here. Not you great. know what I mean? Yeah. This is awful pudding. This is tapioca pudding. Not a fan of tapioca. I don't know if you are or not, but uh, not, not my jam there, but like, Come on, dude. Like, he's got to have, like, some scandalous Polaroids of these coaches doing illicit activities for him to, to, to stick around for as long as he has. Because this special teams unit, you know, Jason Sanders is up and down every other year. Thankfully, we got an up year from him this year. The punting unit always seems to be in flux. Jake Bailey, you know, came in and some of us, myself included, thought maybe he'd have a resurgent year. In Miami, that didn't happen. I could probably kick the ball farther than Bailey did in, in some of those late season games. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, coverage mistakes and errors, which led to big returns this season. Um, you know, in, in that Broncos game, now I know we won that game by 50 points, but they gave up a punt return in that game. And then you had the Ravens game late in the season where they're giving up kick returns. And it's just like, come on, man. How often do we got to see this? How many years in a row do we have to see this? Danny Crossman, I feel, in my opinion, needs to be replaced with who? I don't know. Not a special teams coordinator expert. There are people out there who are. You let me know who should come in as a special teams coordinator if you're listening to this and you got some names. But Danny Crossman ain't it, uh, at least uh, in my opinion. And, and I would like to see the Dolphins be a little proactive in that area and stop settling, not even for mediocrity, but just complete and utter crap. Because that's what Crossman's been. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brendan, they did get rid of their assistant special teams coach, Brendan Farrell. So it does seem like they at least you know, used him as their scapegoat. fault. Yeah, Farrell, yeah, it was that's, him. That's, yeah, it was definitely his fault. Um, I think the biggest thing here is we all got to remember how, you know, well-respected, I guess, Danny Crossman was at one point, right? Everyone, when he first got hired, just one of the best special teams coaches in the league. It hasn't worked out. I would like to see him move on too, but it does seem like the assistant special teams coach was the one that he threw all the blame on. So um, we're probably going to be stuck with him for another year. Let's hope they go out there and, you know, fix some of those units that, like you mentioned, we need a better punter. Well, maybe we just don't need a punt at all. Maybe that's the real s s solution there.
I wonder if it's just kind of like a ceiling type thing. Um, there were some really interesting times when Danny Crossman was the special teams coordinator. He first joined the staff with Brian Flores in 2019. He was the assistant head coach in 2021. Uh, random guys like Michael Pilardi would come in. Matt Hawk was Matt Hawk one of the uh, was the um, touchdown pass. Andrew Franks was that during that yeah, was the Brian Flores years, right? I think so. Some something like that. I, I wonder if there's a situation here where it was great when he had didn't have this high, high ceiling of like, this is a team that needs to play in the playoffs when you can kind of play that YOLO ball. Um, he spent six seasons as uh, Buffalo Bills special teams coordinator as well. So I don't know. I guess I'd be okay with it, but I mean, I, I think they at least need to make some sort of change at punter. I mean, it's crazy to me. Jake Bailey, I think his longest kick of the year was returned for a touchdown. He outkicked his coverage. <laughs> I mean, that just kind of speaks to how messed up the special teams unit was. Um, who is it? There, there's someone out there, and I, and I hate that I, uh, his name's slipping from me, but um, there's somebody up there. Oh, his last name's Goslin. I'll try to put his full name in the description here, but he does these detailed special teams breakdowns. And I mean, Miami Dolphins were 31st all year. The writing was on the wall that this entire unit is an issue. And we saw those struggles late in the year across multiple games when, you know, looking back, I think you remember the Jakeem Grant highlights, the Ted Ginn highlights, because those are game-breaking plays. Like, defense gets stops, offense gets stops. Special teams is what completely warps the game. Yeah, and it, it it's amazing how many times a game can come down to whether your special teams unit performs well or not because there's nobody you know during the week of prep talking about you know well we we need a great game from jake bailey to today you know what i mean like we're always talking about the quarterback and the receivers and the defensive line and the secondary but nobody goes this punter better be on his game today and unfortunately that's yeah, exactly. And then unfortunately it, it does come down to that quite a bit. And you get a, you get a shank from your punter a time or two in that game. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're down by a couple scores because you gave the opposing offense great field position and the defense couldn't recover from it. And these are things that need to be addressed. Hopefully Mike McDaniel's taking it seriously. You almost wonder if Mike McDaniel just has a disdain for special teams because he just wants to score a touchdown every time he gets the ball. Clearly, he wants to score a touchdown every time he gets the ball. But, you know, you see him passing up kicks sometimes to go for it on like fourth and five and fourth and seven. And he's like, I don't like these guys. I don't like kickers, man. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Like I said, Danny Crossman's got to have some dirt on on some of these decision makers because he keeps sticking around even though his unit underperforms and uh, – again i'll reiterate i would just like to see a change made in that area because it can't get much worse like you said jake they were 31st so unless you're hiring the guy who was 32nd you're gonna get better all this punter talk i thought for sure you're gonna bring up uh, that tory taylor the iowa punter that was just booming those things at the senior bowl i don't know if you guys saw that but this dude has a massive leg i'm i like that we're sitting here talking about special teams and how we need to improve but no talk about jason sanders right i mean uh, i think he's was nailing some field goals that maybe we didn't expect him to late in the year um he really had a strong showing so would you guys replace jason sanders i know his salary's up there uh field goal kickers you can replace right i mean what are your thoughts on that Based on performance this past season, Sanders was back up, so I'm not looking to replace him. But when you're a cash-strapped team like the Miami Dolphins are and you have a kicker making $4 million a year and you could probably bring in somebody that's making a million or less, that's something you look at. It really is. 
Two things. Jason Sanders was awesome. He's the only reason the Dolphins beat a team with a winning record this year in that Cowboys game. He was absolutely awesome. Um, two, yeah, I, I'd, com- I'd completely look the other way if he was cut. I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jason. I, what, I was over here. What do you What do you mean you lost all your money? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's something <laughs> like, exactly. I, I completely understand he had a complete bounce back year, looked like that all pro, but at the end of the day, I think his cap hits around $4 billion, and it's it, it could be something where maybe they restructure. I think they actually restructured it in the middle of the year as well. So maybe they can work something out, but yeah, that's, that's a tough decision just because – Maybe you can find like a seventh round rookie or something where the you're paying like one tenth of that salary. It's crazy how how little you can make that that number. Yeah, and at the end of the day, kickers are important, but there's a bunch of them out there, you know. And there's new ones coming in every year. People are getting these Australian kickers now. I think mostly punters on the Australian unit, but you know, go grab a soccer player. You know, just whatever. Just don't pay them four million a year. What are we doing? Let's take one quick break here, and on the other side, Tua Tagovailoa believes he's going to get that desired extension, and we're going to talk about it, so stay tuned. All right, Merrick, we have been trying our hardest. You know, wrestler turned journalist. You absolutely (laughs) nailed that Ricky Williams interview. But I got to ask you, when a microphone is put in front of Tua's face at the Pro Bowl games, celebrate, I don't know, and he's asked, do you think the Dolphins are going to give you that ex- that contract extension? And he says, yes, I expect that to happen. Is that quarterback talk? Or now that they've signed a defensive coordinator, is this that next thing on the checklist that is about to happen? Well, first of all, I like that you brought up the Ricky Williams interview. You know, you can find that on 560 WQAM's uh, YouTube feed and then obviously on on the podcast feed here if you were just looking for the audio version. Over 9,000 of you have already checked out the the video version of that interview. So I personally just want to say thank you for that. That was kind of a bucket list moment for me getting to interview one of my favorite players from my childhood. And and Ricky couldn't have been any more generous. He was so easy to talk to. And it was a, a really fun conversation to have. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please do. But as far as Tua Tungavailoa and his contract situation and, and the idea that he thinks he's going to get a long-term extension, I, I tend to believe him. You know what I mean? I think his comments... I don't want to say they got taken out of context or were twisted a little bit, but if you look at the whole thing, he says, yes, I do expect to get um, an extension here in the off season, but that's going to be up to my agents and Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer and all that. So you got the, you, you got that QB speak, you know, Tua Tungavailoa isn't uh, 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 an outside the lines kind of guy. He's going to give it to you straight and narrow. He's going to tell you what he thinks you want to hear. Um, But I do think that an extension is coming for Tua. I think he's earned an extension. He's played really well. People will point to the late season collapse, you know, each of the last two years. You know, he wasn't available two years ago because of the concussions. He was available this year. But quite frankly, the offense didn't perform up to snuff. Now, there's a lot of injuries that go along with that. You know, Tyreek Hill was battling the ankle and Jalen Waddle was battling the I don't know everything. He just seemed so banged up this year, which was a little too uh, unfortunate for the Dolphins in a, in a big year with such high aspirations. And, and then, you know, tell me who else he had to throw the ball to, you know, Cedric Wilson, Durham Smythe, Braxton Berrios, Robbie Chosen. 
these guys just didn't fill that that third pass catcher role the way that the Dolphins would have needed someone to. So you look to see if maybe they can upgrade upgrade that this offseason. But I think one of the underrated storylines is if you extend to a Tunga Bailoa, and you know, he's not going to get the $50 million a year that Joe Burrow got or that Patrick Mahomes has or that Justin Herbert has. I personally feel like he's not going to get that. So if you can lock him in around 40 to 45 million, save a few million, use that in other areas on the team, I would sign him to that extension. And I would give him, you know, a guaranteed deal over like the next three years or so. Maybe it's a five-year deal, but with the first three years guaranteed, I think Tua Tunga Bailoa is a young player who has shown improvement every single year along the way. And all of the things that you ask him to work on, he works on them diligently. This isn't a, a Jamarcus Russell situation where they send him home with blank VHS tapes and then he comes home the next or comes back to work the next day and they ask him, Hey, what'd you see on that film? And he's talking about, oh yeah, I learned some really good things. And then you find out the 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 tapes were blank there. Like Tua works hard. He works hard uh, you know, in the weight room, he works hard on the field and he works hard with film study. So uh, he's gotten better. I can, I, I think he will continue to get better, but if you extend him this off season, you actually lower his cap hit. He's due 23 million on the fifth year option. And if you can lock him in for, for an extension and get that cap hit down to, you know, 10, $12 million, you're saving more money there. And that's money you can use to extend Christian Wilkins, or you can put in the bank for when you have to extend guys like Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, you know, th that's, that's money you could use for a Patrick Queen situation like we were talking about earlier. So in my personal opinion, I would extend Tua this offseason. And if Tua is talking about it the way he was talking about it, I feel like those conversations have begun. I feel like he's he's had conversations with his agents who have had conversations with Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel. And I feel like they all are kind of on the same page of, hey, we're going to get this done. Now let's just figure out the logistics. Let's figure out, you know, the the money here and see if we can come to an agreement on that. Um, who knows where it'll end up being, but I think it happens. I really do. Yeah, I think it's inevitable. And I think my favorite part is I think we came on here before the Dolphins kind of crapped the bet towards the end of the season and we were sitting here. It's inevitable. You know, they're going to sign him. I'm all for it. Let's do it. And then two went out there and kind of had a bad performance, you know, towards the end of the season. And we're sitting here saying, ah, you know, we were down at originally, right? We we're sitting here saying, okay, I don't know, a little hesitation. It's going to happen. It's inevitable, right? He's going to get an extension. How much, I mean, is yet to be determined. And if you're an agent, do you really want a guy as injury prone as Tua below playing on the fifth year uh, option without any, you know, guaranteed money for the foreseeable future i don't think i'd do that so um i think a deal will get done you mentioned it'll help clear some cap space allow you to sign some other things and um let's be honest we signed ryan Tannehill, so they're definitely going to sign uh to a time i'm excited to see the haters and how mad they are on twitter but i do want to have a way for the dolphins to if you know we don't see that growth if we don't see us win a playoff game or take that next step a way to get out of it in what two to three years so you don't have um you know that huge contract on the books because let's be honest man our win to say and um if we can't take that next step soon um yeah 2019 the dolphins had 37.5 million dollars in dead cap space i completely agree and i think i even said on a podcast like i'm gonna put it in right now in pen that no matter what happens over these final two three games Tua deserves that extension and i completely agree i am just a little scared of that ryan Tannehill scenario where you're trying to push him to a team maybe you get a fourth round pick but you're still eating so much of his salary and you kind of got to have one of those years where you just completely purge the cap um 
I'm just such a, I'm a little fearful of having that situation in two years where I, I kind of agree with Josh. I'd love that way to escape. And I don't mean just like escape with, you know, we're going to be paying him 5 million on the cap for the next uh, four years after that. I think that's my only fear, but I mean, overall, I wouldn't argue against giving him that contract extension because you're not going to be able to upgrade that position um, that way anytime soon, unless you want to start Skylar Thompson, which we all know he would upgrade this entire offense. Oh yes, <laughs> of yes. course. You know, you mentioned Jake, you mentioned the, the dead cap that would be involved if, if this two situation doesn't work out. You mentioned the dead cap in 2019. That was a, a completely tear it down to the screws year and build it back up, which if you're looking for a new quarterback because Tua doesn't work out, that's going to happen anyways, you know? So the dead cap doesn't really scare me uh, because you got a lot of high priced, expensive players that you would probably move on from if you were going to, to rebuild the team. Anyways, if this was a complete rebuild, you're trading Jalen Ramsey, you're trading Tyreek Hill. You're probably not re-signing somebody like a a Jalen Phillips, a Javon Holland, you know, players like that, you're going to let them walk. You're going to tag and trade somebody like that. Christian Wilkins is probably on the outs if he does sign an extension this offseason. If in two to three years you go for that entire rebuild. And honestly, it has worked out relatively well for the Dolphins from this last, uh, you know, complete rebuild. So if it doesn't work out with Tua in the next two to three years, I'm all for another tear it down to the screws rebuild as painful excuse me, as painful as that would be, did you hear my voice crack there? I was so just even having to voice that just, just terrified me there, but as painful as it would be to have to do it, it would be the right way to do it. Um, and if that involves some dead cap, then so be it, unfortunately. It's kind of funny because if you look at that dead cap, you have Ryan Tannehill leading the way at 18.4. Ndamukong Sue had a 13.1 dead cap hit. <laughs> Dude, you could pull that out and put Bradley Chubb right there, and I'm already yeah. getting the hot division that come 2025, 2026, we're going to be sitting here looking at the notes from 2019 about a potential rebuild, and that's absolutely dreadful. Um, you got to laugh through the pain. But um, Groundhog's Day, we mentioned it. Groundhog's Day, baby. That's the Dolphins for <laughs> You might as well rename them the Miami Groundhogs. I, I just want to – I did have a pet groundhog. I was telling you guys that. I just had to throw that out here. Well, you, um, you have to mention to that story. You can't just say, I had a pet groundhog and then move on. Like, everyone just collectively looked at their 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 audio devices and said, what? He had a pet groundhog? Yeah. Well, That's I think Pennsylvania it's shit right there, was, bro. Yeah, it's, it's parents must have got hurt. My mom brought it in. We fed it milk out of an eyedropper, <laughs> and then my dad and I actually uh, escaped the house. But what I wanted to say, just to – yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that. Sorry I threw that out there. Uh, I love it. We have to say, Tua, greater than Tannehill. We're sitting here talking about the Tannehill stuff. Let's be honest. What Tua has done over these first uh, four years has just been impressive. Our biggest concern is the playoff game, and that isn't even so much Tua. It's just look at the ASC, guys. I mean, you're sitting here, and you're looking at Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, J- Josh Allen, C.J. Stroud. The list goes on and on. Those are the guys that we need to see Tua a ton below a beat to um, – warrant that huge contract i guess but i feel like we're always moving the goalposts, right the guy just led the league in yards he's gonna get paid and um yeah if you're a dolphins fan and you're not you're not about it you're gonna have to be because it's gonna happen whether you like it or not it's just that's where we are as a society we have our best quarterback since dan marino and people are already trying to dump him because he didn't win the super bowl when last i checked dan marino never won the super bowl either unfortunately yeah, and with the dead cap, I mean, scared money don't make money. That's that's a great point. That if everything if everything sucks, don't what 
what cares if it's you suck halfway or you full suck? It's the, it's yeah. the same thing. You always want the full suck. <laughs> and if you're Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel, you don't even care about that, right? If if things go to crap, you're not going to be here to to have to deal with whatever happens anyway. Exactly. So, um, YOLO, right? YOLO. They should feel like they're this close because they, you know, we almost had the AFC East this past year. And I think that's why it's just so damn painful to sit here, what, February 4th. My question, watch other teams. my question, we're talking about a two extension. Do you guys feel like if he would have won that precision passing contest at the Pro Bowl skills competition, this extension would have already been done? 55 million a year? The field. They actually oh. had a big check behind, <laughs> the, behind the scoreboard. A bucket of money? Like the old Ezekiel Elliott Salvation Army bucket? They would have just filled it with $1 bills and been like, there you are, Tua. Here's your contract. <laughs> If, I'll tell you what, if he could throw the football into the bucket of money, he gets the extension. <laughs> Let's I want to see him game. do that again, though. You know that he would have been so good at that. If there was just, I mean, I, I, I've dreamt of that. Seeing that Marino, that shot, you know, the last one they threw, and I was like, okay, we're going to see two of them do the same thing. And it was just like, just no. dead last, last. Like me out there or something. He, he, dead last, and then Dan Orlovsky, who is famous for running out of the back of the end zone to cause his team to get a safety when he was with the Lions, uh, Dan Orlovsky comes out and then does better than Tua did. But I saw people breaking down the the advanced analytics and the metrics, and it, and apparently uh, points per throw. Points per so throw was only second behind You're CJ. So get a life, people. Get a life. Go outside. Do something with your family. What are you doing? That, that's the perfect way to end the episode. Thank you all so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. Merrick, Josh, this was an absolute blast getting here, having a little Sunday morning special. That is all the time we have. We will be back later this week with some news, maybe an Anthony Weaver press conference. But until then, fins up. Fins up, baby. Fins up.